The following broadcast is released under a Creative Commons license. I believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. I believe He lived and died, and that He rose again. I believe and trust in Him. Ascended into hell, Christ our living head will one day come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe and trust in Him. I will trust in my Redeemer, sing of His love. That lasts forever Though His hope and sure salvation I will trust in Him Though the world falls around me I rest and know that He has found me Christ the rock is my Welcome all to Pastor Yeshua. You've been listening to Creed by Richard Jensen from his album, Order of Service. By way of introduction, pastor is an acrostic which stands for preaching all salvation through one Redeemer. Our Redeemer, Yeshua, Jesus, is the Hebrew name for the Lord. It means Yahweh, the Lord, is salvation. Translated from Hebrew into the Greek language, the name Yeshua becomes Jesus. The English transliteration for Jesus is Jesus. This program deals with apologetics, questions on and about God, the Bible, and the Christian faith. I take questions and seek by Scripture to give answers and encouragement for everyone, including the tough-minded living in today's skeptical society. And now, let's join Pastor Yeshua. Welcome to Pastor Yeshua. In this episode, and by God's grace, episodes to follow, we revisit a popular topic wherein we continue to look at various apparent supposed Bible contradictions presented by atheists, skeptics, and humanists. As before, we will examine them against what the Bible says in context according to proper exegesis, using the languages in question, correct grammar, the culture of the day, and most importantly, the prism of spiritual discernment given by God to those who truly desire to understand his revelation of himself and his relationship to man. As a prelude to answering any apparent Bible contradictions, if you, as a listener, have not done so already, listening to the introductory episode regarding questions about contradictions will be an indispensable prologue to fully understanding 
or more importantly, answering any question or apparent contradiction which exists. Therefore, I will have to rely from this point forward on the listener to faithfully adopt the biblical posture of the Berean Bible student who is willing and able to do their own respective homework in order to avoid the pitfalls inherent from failing to do so. With this in mind, for our next randomly selected question, an apparent contradiction, Mr. Ash asks, How many versions of the Ten Commandments are there? Now, to be honest, in looking at the question which was posed by Mr. Ash, and the fact that in this question, Mr. Ash virtually went on and on and on, doubling down and tripling down on this particular question, I could virtually see Mr. Ash behind the scenes wringing his hands gleefully and declaring to himself, I've got you now, you can't get out of this one. But the fact is that this question is an old question which goes back to perhaps one of the titular heads of the Mr. Ash Club itself, Richard Dawkins, and those like him who posed this question several generations ago, and which has been answered like most, if not all, of the other apparent contradictions many times, yet continues to reemerge over and over again as if it has never been answered. So let's talk about this particular apparent contradiction. In order to construct this apparent contradiction, Mr. Ash cites and compares several books of the Bible and accompanying verses. Now, space and time prohibit listing each and every book and each and every verse, as well as the surrounding context that goes with them. Thus, for this issue, we will have to summarize the issue to some degree. In any case, at the outset, Mr. Ash begins his issue with Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 through 17. In verses 3 through 17, we have now what has come to be known as the quote-unquote Ten Commandments. In other words, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy mother and father. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. And thou shalt not covet. Having read this, Mr. Ash then proceeds to read Exodus chapter 34, verses 10 through 26, Leviticus chapter 19, verses 3 through 4, verses 11 through 13, verses 15 and 16, and verses 30 and 32, as well as Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 6 through 21, which cover much of the same material regarding the quote-unquote Ten Commandments. 
Now, after all is said and done, when Mr. Ash compares Exodus chapter 20 to Exodus chapter 34 and Leviticus chapter 19 and Deuteronomy chapter 5, Mr. Ash concludes, based on the various books and passages above and comparing them, that there are four different and irreconcilable sets of quote-unquote Ten Commandments. Mr. Ash reasons that since God is omniscient and omnipotent, that all four books and verses and the references that accompany them should be a virtual carbon copy of one another in every single detail down to the commas and periods. Since they are not a carbon copy of each other, Mr. Ash concludes that he has proof that the whole thing is made up and that God doesn't exist. The Bible is a cut and paste job of different authors over different times who couldn't get their act together and that we should all assign the Bible to the same category of fiction such as Star Wars. Now, before we defer to Mr. Ash's knee-jerk reaction, as always, it behooves us to educate ourselves as Berean Bible students and to study the entirety of God's Word in context so as to avoid simply justifying our own personal priori biases. In this case, since our subject is God's commandments, we should try to establish definitions and parameters regarding the topic. Frankly, it seems that in large part, Mr. Ash is attributing his confusion based upon man and or the church and their attempts to build tradition, rather than reading God's word apart from traditions, no matter how old they may be. Regardless of what problems Mr. Ash may have, let's look at the subject from a proper biblical world and life view to see what we in fact have. So, to begin with, Exodus chapter 20 verses 3 through 17 is not the first mention of God's commandments or the law. When we look at this subject in a global sense, we in fact find our first commandment given by God in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, where it says, quote, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die, unquote. Now, as previously stated in the two-part episode entitled The Tree of Knowledge, man's decision to prefer the knowledge of good and evil over simple trust and faith in God's covering grace was 
and is the launching point for all of God's commandments, ordinances, statutes, rules, and laws. Individually and cumulatively, they are the schoolmaster, as Paul reminds us, intended by design to have us confess our inability to be like God or to please God based upon our merits. Instead, we should come to the realization that, like Romans 3, we have all fallen short. We have failed, and we need to throw ourselves upon the mercy of God via a relationship, return to faith and trust in his covering grace. Moving forward, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, God gives his command of the creation, institution, and ordinance of marriage between one man and one woman. In Genesis 6, God gives various instructions to Noah to build an ark. In verse 22, we are told that, quote, Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he, unquote. In Genesis chapter 21, verse 4, we read, quote, And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him, unquote. In Genesis chapter 26, verse 5, we read, quote, Because that Abraham obeyed my voice, and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws, unquote. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 23, we find that God is prohibiting Israelites from gathering any manna on the seventh day, which is the quote-unquote holy Sabbath. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 28, when some Israelites ignore this command and gather manna on the Sabbath, God responds by saying, quote, And the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? Unquote. In Exodus chapter 18, verse 16, Moses and his father-in-law get into a discussion about Moses taking a unilateral role in judging Israel. Moses responds by saying, quote, When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another. And I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws, unquote. So, based upon these verses alone, we see that, in fact, God has already given his people commandments, laws, statutes, and rules going all the way back to Adam and Eve. The Sabbath, as a matter of fact, went back to the Garden of Eden and the seventh day of creation. But we're not done yet. Before we get into the specifics, 
Let's look at the issue of God's commandments in general going forward. Here again, from a Jewish perspective, God inspired the first five books of the Bible, i.e. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These five are classically referred to as the Pentateuch, meaning quote-unquote five, or the Torah, meaning quote-unquote law. The book of Leviticus is defined as those laws concerning the priests or the Levites. When summarizing the Old Testament, the Jews themselves state that there are 613 commandments or mitzvot which were given to Moses by God as part of the covenant. Now as we come to the New Testament, we find Jesus himself, who is God in the flesh, being asked, What is the greatest commandment? Now, if Mr. Ash has correctly assessed the situation, we would expect to see Jesus quoting Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 7, or Exodus chapter 34, verses 10 through 26 or Leviticus chapter 19 verses 3 through 4, or verses 11 through 13, or verses 15 through 16, verse 30 or verse 32, or Deuteronomy chapter 5 verses 6 through 21. But instead, Jesus both in Matthew chapter 22 verses 35 through 40, and Luke chapter 10 verses 25 through 28, have Jesus deferring to the rabbinic teaching and the spirit of the law, saying that, quote, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, unquote. So, theologically speaking, whether we are talking about the Old or the New Testament, whenever and wherever there is a discussion in the Bible of people obeying God, the context is always about the law the commandments in a global sense. We never find a discussion where obeying God is limited to only following the Ten Commandments. Well, this brings us to the crux of Mr. Ash's question. Ultimately, Mr. Ash is somewhat confused between what has come to be known as the quote-unquote, Ten Commandments, and God's commandments and the law in general, which we have already been discussing. Strictly speaking, the idea of Ten Commandments comes from two places. The first is Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 13, which says, quote, and he declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, 
even ten commandments, and he wrote them upon two tables of stone, unquote. The second is Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 4, which says, quote, And he wrote on the tables, according to the first writing, the ten commandments which the Lord spake unto you in the mount, out of the midst of the fire, in the day of assembly. And the Lord gave them unto me, unquote. In both cases, and in others, two things should be emphasized. Number one, first, in the original language, the phrase, quote-unquote, Ten Commandments, is literally translated, quote, Ten Words, unquote, or in Hebrew, Atzeret HaDibirat. The fact is that whenever we see a reference to what Mr. Ash understands as quote-unquote the Ten Commandments, rabbinic literature ref would refer to the same thing as quote the Ten Words, unquote. Number two. Secondly, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 13, which tells us that God wrote, quote, ten words, unquote, the immediate verse following also tells us, quote, and the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that ye might do them in the land whether ye go over to possess it, unquote. In other words, at the same time that God gave the, quote, ten words, unquote, God also gave additional commandments, statutes, and judgments, which were part of the ten words. Okay, as we turn to Exodus chapter 20, from which we get the modern idea of the, quote, Ten Commandments, unquote, we see the same thing. In verse 1, we find the preface, quote, And God spake all these words, saying, and notice the Hebrew word, debrat, meaning, quote, words, unquote, plural, because many of the, quote, unquote, words spoken have the phrase, quote, thou shalt, unquote, or, quote, thou shalt not, unquote, attached to them, which we then call commands. In verses 3 to 5, God proceeds to deliver his, quote, unquote, words, and we already have God saying two things which are understood as two of the, quote, ten commandments, unquote. Namely, one, thou shalt have no other gods before me, and thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. In the middle of this, before we proceed to hearing the remaining eight commandments, we find verse six, where God describes himself saying, Quote, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments, unquote. 
Now, here we have to stop and ask, how can God's people love or hate God's commandments if we only have two commandments at this point, which God hasn't even delivered to his people yet? In order for God's people to love or hate his commandments, there have to be some commandments that they are aware of. This can only mean that God's commandments are broader than these two, or even the eventual ten which are supposed. In any case, from verse 7 to 17, we get the remaining statements from God, which later constitute what are classically referred to as the, quote, Ten Commandments, unquote. Now, here is where the confusion arises for Mr. Ash. Because Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 17, provides an easily summarized and condensed set of quote-unquote commandments, and that set gets grandfathered by tradition into the quote, Ten Commandments, unquote. Clearly, Mr. Ash buys into this tradition. Further, because Exodus chapter 34, verses 10 through 26, Leviticus chapter 19, verses 3 through 4, verses 11 through 13, verses 15 and 16, verse 30 and verse 32, as well as Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 6 through 21, do not include the exact same verbatim carbon copy of Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 17, Mr. Ash assumes that there is a contradiction. However, Mr. Ash is supposed to be a scholar, i.e. someone who pays attention to detail. Certainly, he should be paying way more attention than us non-scholars who are simply unable to get close to the perception skills of Mr. Ash. So, since Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 17, is God's quote for the, quote, Ten Commandments, unquote, and nothing more, then we should see a closed quote in verse 17 and 18. We should read God saying, cut, print, the end. Instead, as we continue to read, we see God giving further instructions, more commands, more rules, with many, quote, thou shalt, unquote, and, quote, thou shalt not. Unquote, commands. For example, verse 23, Thou shalt not make me gods of silver or gold. Unquote. Verse 25 and 26, quote, Thou shalt not make altars of stone with tools or with steps leading to the altars. Unquote. All total, we find Exodus chapter 21 through 23, Three entire chapters filled with commandments regarding servants, manslaughter, stealing, animal control, property rights, 
usury, false witnesses, jubilee, feasts, and festivals. And there is absolutely no separation between Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 through 17, and what we now refer to as the, quote, Ten Commandments, unquote, and the remaining instructions and commandments given all the way to Exodus chapter 24. The only thing we are told is in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, where it is said, quote, And God spake all these words, saying, dot, 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 unquote. Uh, well, last time I checked, all means all. Since there is no statement saying God stopped, quote, unquote, speaking, or God stopped, quote-unquote, commanding, we must allow for God, quote, speaking, unquote, all the way through up into and including Exodus chapter 24. Secondly, it should be noted that, quote, speaking, unquote, is not the same as, quote-unquote, writing, Exodus chapter 20 verse 1 does not say that God quote-unquote wrote all that followed. It says God quote spoke unquote. When we finally arrive at Exodus chapter 24 verses 3 and 4, we read quote, And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord hath said we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under a hill and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel, unquote. Notice that Moses both spoke I repeated and, quote, wrote, unquote, all of the words which the Lord had spoken. So here we have bookend statements, one of which comes before in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, where God will speak all of these words and the other in Exodus chapter 24, verses 3 and 4, where God has spoken all of these words, and Moses actually writes them. The fact that we can indeed open our Bible and read the written words which God had spoken between Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, and Exodus chapter 24, verse 4, is confirmed proof that indeed everything, everything between Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, and Exodus chapter 24, verse 4, are God's quote-unquote words, which are there written. Now, the really interesting thing is that it is not until we get to Exodus chapter 24, verse 12, that we read the following, 
Quote, And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them, unquote. So, notice that this is the first time where God or Moses or anyone else actually mentions an actual, quote, table of stones, unquote. We have had four chapters and multiple dozens of verses with various commandments, words, statutes, laws, etc., which God spoke and Moses recorded. But only now do we read about God's intent to give Moses tables of stone. Notice, too, that along with these tables, or likely on these tables, God would incorporate, quote, a law and commandments which I have written, unquote. So, a careful investigation would conclude whatever God would actually write on the stone tablets, which was not written until after Exodus chapter 24, verse 12, and whatever was written would include, quote, a law and commandments, unquote. Still, while Moses is told that he will go up and receive the tablets of stone in Exodus chapter 24, verse 13, the actual completion and receiving of said stone ta tablets is at this point still future. Okay, next, in Exodus chapter 24, verse 15, we are told that Moses went up to the mount, and in verse 18, we are told that Moses communed with God for 40 days. For the next seven chapters, Moses remains on the mount, communing with God, while God gives seven chapters of detailed instructions regarding the building and configuration of the tabernacle in the wilderness, as well as the priestly garments, the priestly duties, the sacrifices, and so forth. Finally, at long last, in Exodus chapter 31, verse 18, we are told, quote, And he, referring to God, gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai two tables of testimony, or tables of stone, written with the finger of God, unquote. So, here we are, all total, since Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, 11 chapters later, with Moses ha finally having the two tables of stone containing what is referred to as the quote-unquote Ten Commandments. The only issue is that in Exodus chapter 32, verse 19, 
Moses broke the stones at the foot of the mount before they were ever given to the people since the people had already given themselves to idolatry and rebellion during Moses' absence. This is a major problem and flaw in Mr. Ash's theory. Remember, Mr. Ash is upset with the account of what the quote-unquote Ten Commandments actually were comparing Exodus chapter 20 verses 3 through 17 versus Exodus chapter 34 verses 10 through 26, Leviticus chapter 19 verses 3 through 4, verses 11 through 13, verses 15 and 16, verse 30 and verse 32, as well as Deuteronomy chapter 5 verses 6 through 21. However, Mr. Ash's argument hangs on limiting the discussion between isolated comments and commandments listed in Exodus chapter 20 verse 3 through 17 and a much broader discussion of comments and commandments in Exodus chapter 34 verses 10 through 26 Leviticus chapter 19 verses 3 through 4, verses 11 through 13, verses 15 and 16, verse 30 and 32, and Deuteronomy chapter 5 verses 6 through 21. But if and when we expand our discussion of God's words, commandments, and comments as contained in their totality, between Exodus chapter 20 verse 1 and Exodus chapter 31 verse 18, we see that there is a great deal of similarity and consistency as compared to when we look at Exodus chapter 34 verses 10 through 26 and the others mentioned before. When all is said and done, when the comparisons are made properly, there is nothing there which need cause anyone reason for concern. In the end, we need to recall that whatever the original quote-unquote commandments or quote-unquote words were that God actually quote-unquote wrote on the two tablets those tablets were destroyed by Moses. The subsequent tablets, which were later recreated, were likewise lost long ago. Thus, by definition, we are currently unable to determine with complete certitude what was actually written there and how it either agreed or disagreed with the various books, chapters, and verses cited by Mr. Ash. It could be that there were, in fact, literally only ten words written by God. It could be that these were simply normal words written in bullet form as memory words to recall and symbolize the entirety of the law. 
It could also be that these tablets and whatever that was quote-unquote written was in some way supernatural by whatever means and actually represented all of God's law. We should also consider that while the tablets might have indeed had quote-unquote ten words, nowhere is it said that quote ten words unquote is all that was on the tablets. Perhaps all of the law was there and at the same time there were quote ten words unquote which highlighted or represented the totality of what was also on the tablets. Another important consideration is to look to the Jewish and early church mindset. As we look at both, it is clear that both, or rather neither, had any trouble seeing and understanding that God's law was much broader than simply the quote-unquote Ten Commandments. They, too, knew that there were over 600 commandments via rabbinic literature. If, in fact, you were to ask one of these first-century Jews or Christians, they would have either quoted one of the, quote, ten words or, quote-unquote, ten commandments, or they would have quoted one or more of the great Jewish commands, such as the Shemai. But neither would be limited to the quote-unquote Ten Commandments as the one and only quote-unquote commandments. More importantly, neither the Jews nor the Christians of the first century were aware of some irreconcilable difference of commands as articulated by Mr. Ash. The best we can come up with via history is that there were some debates between rabbinic Jews as to whether God had said, quote, remember, unquote, or, quote, keep, unquote, the Sabbath. But even this demonstrates a very superficial debate over distinctions without a difference. The reason is that both remembering and keeping are both words which ultimately require man as the creation to respect God and his desire for man to hollow the Sabbath. Beyond this, we do not really have another uh, debate about the quote-unquote Ten Commandments until we come to the third century. But again, at that point, the argument was not the argument made by Mr. Ash. Rather, the argument then was due to the fact that at that time, the Bible had no chapter or verse references. Both Hebrew and Greek language had all of the material run together into one long book for each scroll, and there were no divisions. Consequently, Different scholars and translated divided Exodus chapter 20 differently. Because there were no chapter and verse distinctions, there was no right or wrong answers, 
Again, because the original tablets, their replacements, and the original scrolls were retranslated, we do not have the benefit of seeing firsthand what distinctions or differences there might be, if any. What we do know is that Mr. Ash has fallen into a trap of his own making by assuming that Exodus chapter 20 verse 3 through 17 represents the only and the true, quote, Ten Commandments, unquote, and he, like many others, isolates and divorces these 14 verses from the context and the remaining 11 chapters. Mr. Ash then compares 14 verses in isolation to three additional books and many multiple verses. And guess what? Mr. Ash sees contradictions and differences. However, were Mr. Ash to compare the totality of all 11 chapters of Exodus in which God reveals all of his commandments, instructions, and statutes, and then were he to compare this with the remaining books cited, Mr. Ash would in fact see that God is very consistent. So to answer Mr. Ash's question is that there are numerous commandments, statutes, ordinances, rules, and laws which come as a result of man wanting the knowledge of good and evil. The totality of all of these represent the nature of God's holy perfection. God's commandments are there by design as a schoolmaster to lead mankind to the logical conclusion that we are naked and that we need God's covering grace supplied by faith in his completed work. In another sense, all of God's law, including whatever God wrote on the two tablets, is information aimed at one look in the mirror to see with discernment our need for a Savior. Mr. Ash's problem is that he chooses to look at isolated verses and defer to tradition, which he does not even believe in, but which he is willing to use out of context to support his own priori bias in order to support his assumption that there are contradictions. But the truth is that Mr. Ash's hyper-literal proclivities and inability to do proper research are not the basis for true scholarship. Hence, consequently, once again, using a proper biblical world and life view, we see that there are no contradictions here no fundamental assaults which destroy the Christian message. There is only an inability or unwillingness for Mr. Ash to understand what the basic message of the gospel is, along with the unregenerate mind of Mr. Ash, who must, at all costs, deny God in order to justify himself.
In all, to date, in this series, we have, in each case, serious questions posed by various individuals who hold themselves out to be scholars, critical thinkers, intellectuals, and the like, who collectively fall under the pseudonym of Mr. Ash. These and others are questions which individually and collectively serve as the basis by which we are intended to come to the conclusion that the Bible is not God's word, but rather a collection of myths and fables, only to be believed by the simple-minded and the gullible. However, in truth, these 57 and a myriad remaining others are nothing more than apparent contradictions which exist and remain largely, if not exclusively, due in fact to Mr. Ash's inability or unwillingness to do his research, coupled with his unwillingness to open his heart and mind to God and his word. This concludes this episode. Now, if you have any questions about God, the Bible, or the Christian faith, I encourage you to send me an email at pastor underscore Yeshua at yahoo.com. That's P-A-S-T-O-R underscore Y-E-S-H-U-A at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. Bye.